hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Moments with Ndero, where I hope to encourage you, inspire you, and uplift you. For those who have been listening from episode one, I truly appreciate you. And for those who have just tuned in, thank you so much. You're also special to me. Share with others and let's get into today's conversation. I'm so happy to be having this conversation with this lady. I met her way back in 2017 and she has grown and her faith has really also grown in Christ. And she is an ambassador of Christ. She wants to spread the good news across the world. And she does this for the purposes of opening the eyes of men and women in order to turn them towards God. Welcome onto the show, Olawumi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Muthoni. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. <laughs> so for the listeners, um, Wumi is all the way in America. And in 2017, she was here in Kenya. So Wumi, tell us what brought you to Kenya in 2017 and how comes you're now in America? Great question. You know, I've been reflecting on my life journey <laughs> um, in this 2020. And so just a little bit of context um, for those listening. Like Muthoni had mentioned, I did move to Nairobi specifically in Nairobi, Kenya in 2017, sometime in January. However, prior to that, um, I had worked. So I had graduated from university uh, in 2000 and I would say nine. And so I had worked for approximately seven years um, before moving. However, in 2016, I believe that was in August, I actually did a one week mission trip with um, a church. And that was my first time, right, being in uh, Kenya. And we were, we were predominantly Nairobi. And so that was my first time being introduced to Nairobi and through just my interactions and through observations um, in Nairobi, as well as honestly, the hand of the Lord. It's so interesting how early in 2016 in April, I knew there was a shift coming in terms of my career. I just did not feel comfortable. I felt like my why had ended um, at the organization I worked and I knew that there was a transition coming. I just did not know what. And so after leaving, subsequent to leaving uh, Nairobi in 2016 for the mission trip, I did a marathon. <laughs> I ran the marathon in October. I believe that was October. And after the marathon, um, I obviously, I was exhausted. My legs were exhausted. So I spent a few days at home recovering. But in addition to that, the marathon was seemed like it was also the that one activity I did to let loose and let go, right, of what the Lord was telling me to. And it was during the reflective period after the marathon that I knew the Lord was saying, you know, this, this, this season of the period in your life working at that organization. I had worked there from 2009 to 2016, which is what, that's seven years. Yeah. Um, so I knew he was telling me to, to, to call it quits, um, or not to call it quits, but to transition on to the next phase. Um, and so left the job, didn't really know what I was doing, but like I mentioned in April, I'd actually gotten a map of the continent of Africa and I'd been praying on the map. And so I just, um, really felt like the Lord was sending me to Kenya, but specifically in regards to, um, focusing on healthcare 
and ensuring that healthcare is affordable and accessible because that was one of the pain points I had seen when I came um, in the mission trip. And so, yeah, 2017, I literally picked up my bags, didn't know anyone apart from like um, one of my friends I had met in Nairobi. Um, and I just picked up and left and, and I moved to Nairobi for purposes of um, providing or creating solutions for affordability and accessibility to healthcare. Interesting journey. You know, someone may be listening and they're like, oh, I felt led by God to do X, Y, and Z. What does that mean? And how does that um, sound like in day-to-day living? So how do you actually um, express that on, in a more practical aspect? Is that what you're saying? Or basically, let me rephrase, like someone listens and you said, yes, they felt led by God, as you said, to move to Kenya. How Mm. is that in a practical way? How is it that you hear a voice Um, from, you know, a loud booming voice? Or is it that you see a page turn and you land on a page and it's written there in bold Kenya? How did that play out for you? Thanks for the clarification. I, 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 you know, I wish it was like a loud voice, like a thunder. No, but um, so to 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 answer the question, God speaks to different to people differently. Sorry, um, and God has multiple ways of speaking to people. Obviously, the first is through His Scripture, the Word that is alive and active. Um, and so my response might not be the same. I don't want anyone listening to take it as um a template, right, for you to model or for you to 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 watch out or for you to use for your own relationship with the lord but for me um how the lord speaks to me is one through the word when i read the word um there might be a scripture that is highlighted and then i know he's speaking to me because i've read that scripture before but in this specific instance in april i was feeling a form of discomfort and when i say discomfort i was just not feeling much at peace right at my job because i've never felt at the work i worked there for six plus years there was nothing for me to feel you know not at peace at i actually had gotten promoted um prior the prior october and so i just felt like wow i wasn't learning anything more um and obviously there are things to learn but but my growth at the organization had ended and i was sort of picking downwards i had reached um I don't know what the, uh, there's an economic terminology, like love margin, diminishing returns. Um, and so I'd reached that. And so I felt just a tugging in my heart. Um, and I also just high level in 2014 started an organization, Continent of Africa. So my heart bleeds, right, for the continent of Africa. So I knew it had to do with something with the continent of, the continent of Africa. And so what I did was I bought a map of the continent to pray over to just get direction. And so the fact that then the Lord led me to this mission trip, because the church I actually went on a mission trip with was not my main church. And it just so happened that I was directed to that church. And so when that was also for me, a sign, right, where I had prayed on the map and this mission trip was in Nairobi. And then while in Nairobi, I'd spoken to a specific lady and her response to one of my questions was the one that triggered just the the need for healthcare. And so how did this practically happen? It started with um, a tugging, a discomfort in my heart. Then it then led to seeking the Lord in terms of through prayer 
prayer to really understand what that discomfort was. And then um, there was revelation, meaning I just, how do I, uh, revelation one, the Lord had put the desire for me for the, the burden in the continent of Africa. So I knew I had to pray about it. And then the fact that I went to Kenya was just for me, um, the way the Lord had directed my, ordered my footsteps, right, to go to Kenya. So through all that progression, it wasn't a one-step, um, oh, he said this, and then, no, it was a progression of he kept on guiding me and leading me closer. And then I knew that because he was directing me that way, that was the path he wanted. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. They're um, guiding our steps, but also with his guidance, we need to obey. And just to tie in with the word that you chose for today, obedience really goes hand in hand with repentance. So Mm. could you expound more on repentance and just how it plays along with also obedience? Yes. So um, (laughs) I know this word repentance is um, sort of like a plague. People people don't like the word. Um, It has a negative connotation in our world. And, um, but one thing I want to start with, just to get everyone's mind in the right context when you have this word repentance, repentance is actually a way of God showing his love and mercy for us because he essentially through, and, and also his discipline, right? He's disciplining, disciplining us. And what the Bible says and what the Lord says is I discipline those I, 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 I love, it's just like if your mom and your dad, right? You do something wrong, um, but they love you. And so they discipline you. And so I just wanted to start with that, to know that this, um, the Lord calling us to repent or this word repentance is truly an act, excuse me, an act for, from the Lord showing us that he loves us and he has mercy for us. So I wanted to start with that. But then what does this word mean, repentance? There's so many different definitions, but I wanted to really make it simplistic and simple for everyone to understand. It's essentially, it's a two way, repentance has two forms. It simply means turning away from sin and turning to something. So you're turning from something, but you're not just turning from, you're turning to. So for example, it means turning away from unforgiveness. I'm just giving you that example, right? As um, a wrongdoing. So turning away from unforgiveness and turning to God. So it has two components that are vital. You're turning from something, but you're turning to something. And the thing you're turning to is always better than what you're turning from. Um, I know Pastor uh, Tony Evans says it's the inner resolve in someone's heart and determination to turn from sin towards the Lord. Um, And so you talk about, when we talk about repentance, what is the uh, correlation or how important is obedience when um, we talk about repentance? So the Lord, um, typically, how do you know that you need to repent or, 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 and, and let me back up. Repentance is for both believers and non-believers. When I say believers, those who have, who, um, have made Lord Jesus their Lord and Savior and those who have not. So repentance is not just for unbelievers. It's actually for everyone. Um, and so I, I bring that up just to show that as a believer, as someone who knows the Lord, you always have to ask, the, ask God and the Holy Spirit 
would bring to your remembrance, right? Um, things that you might have done that wrong, that is not in alignment with him. So there's a, a scripture in Psalm 139, 23, 24, that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me the way everlasting. So one, the Lord is first of all showing you um, through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the ways that are wicked, but he's searching your heart first. Then he tells you, and then he leads you. And the leading is he's telling you how to turn to him. And so the, the question is, once he tells you how to turn to him, are you going to obey or are you going to disobey? Um, and in my case, which we'll talk about later, I don't want to get way ahead. Initially, I disobeyed, right? And God is so gracious and merciful that even though I disobeyed, he kept on knocking at the door of my heart he kept on i kept on having the same dream for four years <laughs> um um about this incident that i wasn't even really aware of um i sort of was aware of but i was rebellious and so i will say just reflecting back on my own experience when i obeyed eventually which is very sad but when i obeyed eventually i can't really even explain to you the rewards that came from it it was just one just having that intimate relationship right with god because there was a wall there was a there was just that um my relationship had been broken meaning i didn't feel as intimate or close with the lord and this disobedient act this thing i needed to repent from i had not and as a result i couldn't um um fellowship with him the way i wanted to just like if your mama your dad tells you you hurt your sister you hurt your brother go apologize and you don't know and you don't sorry you disobey or you stay away from them because you don't want to um say sorry to your brother or sister it creates that rift it creates this um divide right in your relationship with your parents and really in your relationship with your brother and that was what had happened with me with the lord where i kept on rebelling and not being obedient um and so that that i, I wasn't enjoying an intimacy with the lord i wasn't enjoying spending time with my dad right my heavenly dad just like if you weren't enjoying spending time with your brother and sister especially when you guys were close before um so yeah so Obedience is very key because it restores whatever relationship has been broken. I'm you you mentioned that there was a specific moment in time where you disobeyed. I guess we can go deeper on that as to what it was and what made you realize that indeed I am disobeying and I need to obey God. Yeah. So this was also in line with uh, 2016. A lot of things happened in my life. You can tell 2016, 2017. But um. I had been attending a specific, uh, and, and I'm going to give one instance, but I would tell you that I, I would name, I'll give you the two main um, broad categories, right, of what the Lord was asking me to repent from. It was dishonor and it was unforgiveness. And so I, I can, I would um, explain the dishonor part. And if you need me to dis explain the unforgiveness. So it just, it wasn't just one thing. Does that make sense? Um, because I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, it's just, just this one thing. No, it was um, a series of events and just the way I had been living my life that was not in accordance, right, with, with sort of who the Lord had called me to be. Because once you become a new 
um, or once you become uh, a Jesus follower, once you give your life to Christ, right? You know, the Bible says, Galatians 2.20, you no longer live, Christ lives in you. And so the Holy Spirit is trying to transform you from your old to your new. And as a result, you start to feel convicted about the things you used to do in the past. You're no longer comfortable doing that because that is not Christ. Um, so anyways, in regards to dishonor I had in 2016, um, this is also through the the um, mission trip. I had started distancing myself from the current church I was going to, the, my home church, because of certain reasons, just certain things had happened. But instead of me handling it appropriately um, or having conversations with the individuals, I kept on saying, oh, I feel like the Lord is telling me to leave the church. Um, and so a couple of things, even while leaving the church, I did not um, inform the leaders, right? The elders and the leaders in an appropriate and um, in an appropriate fashion. It wasn't, I wasn't respectful, right? Of just protocol, not just protocol, but I just wasn't respectful of the, their authority. And the Lord is the one who puts them as shepherd, right? And he tells you that you should obey authority and leaders. So one, the way I transitioned out of the the old church to sort of like the ch church that I went on a mission trip with. Um, I didn't transition well. I wasn't respectful to the old leader, to the, my, my, the church leaders there. And that built up over time because although I did not respect, so when you think about church, you have multiple leaders, right? You have the main pastor and the assistant pastor. And so I think I told one of the pastors, but the others I didn't. Um, and so although the other pat I didn't tell the other leaders, um, I was still very much involved, right, with the church in terms of I had built, they were my, they're my family, they're still my family. I built relationships. So even when they had events, when I moved to Kenya and I'll come back, you know, to the States, I will go to their events. But there was always this elephant in the room with the specific elders I had never told. And I know that in 20... In 2016, one of the ways the Lord talks to me is through dreams. In 2016, I kept on having a dream. I had this dream with only for four years. Um, wow. I kept on, not, not the same specific dream, but it's similar, but I never understood. And I'll just give an example of the dream. Um, it's, I start to run a race and I thought it, cause I, I did the marathon in 2016, right? So initially I thought it was just about the marathon. Um, I'll start to run a race. I, you know, we're all at the start line and I'm there with everyone, but in the middle of running the race, I, I go off, 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 off course. I, I gear off course for some unknown reason. And every time I gear off course, I can't find all the participants, meaning the, the race participants. And so I'm in a different course and I'm getting frustrated. I want to get back on the race course so that I can finish the race, but I never can. That's one of the dreams. Or the other dream is I'm supposed to go somewhere, right? I'm about to get on a flight, but I missed the flight. So I was always in the holding pattern. Does that make sense? I start something, but I can't either finish it or I can't get on a plane to take me to the next level. So that was the gist of the dream. And, but it kept on recurring for four years, Muthoni. And I remember in 2018, I was back at the church. We we're having a 24-hour prayer. And the Lord has specifically mentioned to me um, the two of the elders. And so I did have a meeting with them and sort of apologized, but it was also prideful apology. Does that make sense? 
Um, and so finally, <laughs> this is why I said God is so merciful. My goodness. Like, can you imagine if you have a friend and, you know, the friend has hurt you and you've told the friend multiple times what to do? Won't you give up? Or, or let me speak for myself. After like two months, let's be honest, I, I, in my own earthly mind, or just who I am because I'm a sinner. I'll be like, no, it's okay. We're done. Um, but the Lord kept chasing me. And I think that's one thing I want people to understand. Repentance is an act of the Lord chasing after you. He loves you so much that he will not let you go. What? Sorry. That, it gets me all the time. And so in 2020, I was watching, this was after COVID hit. And in America, just for people, we were on lockdown. Um, meaning we weren't going out, churches were closed, people are watching um, the churches online. And so I was watching a specific conference, which just so happened to be free because it was online. Typically people had to pay um, specific conference on, um, and please note that it's in two different states. So it was happening in like a state that was, I think about 13 hour drive distance from me. And there's going to be an importance to why I'm explaining the distance. And in any event, this was the second day of the conference. Yes, it was a four-day conference. It was the second day of the conference. And um, the worship had started at 7 p.m. my time. And I had missed that because I was, I was leaving my sister and I was talking to them. But then I, um, I finally was able to go watch it. And I started watching it when the sermon, the pastor was preaching. That was around 9 p.m. And it kept on, the service went on until I believe midnight. Um, and while the service was going on, the conversation was trending towards, I don't think it started with repentance. No, it did not start with repentance. But he, the pastor ended with saying, I think it, the pastor was talking about the remnant, the remnant people, um, people who the Lord, who, who are burning for the Lord. And the pastor said, no, the Lord said talking to me actually. And I was like, wait, God, did I dishonor someone? Because the Holy Spirit was already convicting my heart. And so I started writing names of people. I was so, you know, I was still having a conversation with the Lord. Like I kept on, you know, asking the Lord, is this me? Do I need to repent of something? And the pastor had finished his preaching, left the podium. Someone came to kind of close up, right? The conference. However, I believe, and I wasn't looking at my computer screen at that point because my posture at that point was, um, for me, when I'm talking to the Lord, I like to focus. So I was like nearly now trying to just close my eyes to have this conversation with God. And, but I could hear what was happening because I still had the sound on my, on the computer um, on. And in any event, so the pastor had come back and said, sorry, um, you know, the Lord is speaking to, was speaking to him when he went and there was no way he was going to disobey the Lord. But he said, there's somebody here who needs to repent of dishonor um, because they've dishonored, you know, certain people, like certain, certain spiritual authority that have been placed over them. And as a result, they've been in a spiritual holding pattern because of this dishonor, which is, you know, one of the scenes, one of the things that um, the evil that you've done, a wrongdoing. And immediately the pastor said it was a confirmation to the conversation I was having. And I want 
everyone to understand that we were not in the same building. We were 13 hours drive away from each other. I was in my home on the computer at midnight, May 22nd, and this person was in another place, in another building. And I just say this to say that there is no boundary, right, to the presence of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord. Um, Because I do know where some people in different, whoever is listening, different listeners, some might be in a lockdown, some might not be. Um, and, you know, some relationships with the Lord might be strained because of the inability to go to a church building. But I want you to understand that the Lord is everywhere. So in any event, as soon as the pastor had said that he left, I just started bawling. And I was like, God, forgive me. <laughs> Lord, forgive me for this honor. I mentioned the people's names because he brought them to my mind. And, and I write a lot on journals. I, I make a, I just, I'm a journal, journaling kind of person. I wasn't before, but the Lord has really helped me. And so I was able to go back to my journals after May, to, like the May 22nd, May 23rd, to see that um, just the progression of, of what was, progression of my disobedience, as well as also the Lord actually speaking to me and telling me things that I guess I was aware of, but I wasn't paying attention to. So in any event, that was one of the things I had to repent of. That is sort of how the Lord highlighted it to me. It was a four year journey of dreams, but I wasn't really sure. Two years of after the Lord told me the two specific people, I was still prideful. I did apologize, but not in an honest way. And this is where I remember in the definition I had mentioned that repentance is the two components. You turn from something. So for me, from disobedience, for ex- sorry, dishonor, and also disobedience to the Lord, which is honor. But I wasn't doing that in 2018 when I did, you know, have the meaning and apologize. I didn't really turn to anything. I didn't really even turn from something. But another thing I really wanted to um, highlight about repentance is repentance bears fruit. Um, so for example, I'm going to give two scriptures. John, this was when he was um, announcing, right, that the kingdom of the law of God was coming. And in Matthew 3, 8, he essentially told the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Then there's a second scripture, 2 Corinthians 7, 8, 11. This was Paul talking to the Corinthian church. And he had written a first letter, the first Corinthian, essentially correcting them of their wrongdoings, all of their misconceptions about certain things. And in his letter, I guess his tone was a little bit harsh. And so 2 Corinthians was a follow-up letter to the first letter. And so he says, he says this in verse 8 through 11. I'm going to make it really quick. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so are not harmed in any way by us. This is the part that's very important. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See, see what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, 
what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. And so I use that as an example that in 2018, yes, I said in my heart, sorry, but that did not lead, it was not godly sorrow because one, I wasn't really practicing honor. I wasn't, my heart wasn't fully committed to the repentance. I just said it because I knew I wanted to be intimate with the Lord, but the Lord knows our heart, right? And so one very important thing I want to say with repentance, it bears fruit. You cannot say you're turning from something and not turn to something and that thing you're turning to will be your fruit. So that's just very, very important. So, so you, you raise good points where repentance truly has to bear fruit and it's you know, reflected in actions. It's reflected even in heart posture and attitude and in how you would um, interact with the individuals who perhaps in this, in this example you dishonored or even the people who hurt you, but you've been able to forgive them. So I agree with you. Um, it's a journey of you know, bearing fruit. And it's something that doesn't happen once off. Repentance is a daily act because as um, human beings, we're sinners. And this life of constantly surrender, surrendering our lives to God isn't easy because we're prideful as human beings. So how does one constantly stay in that posture of repentance, knowing that God is loving. But at times we face such difficult situations that we don't see the need to repent or we don't you know, want to forgive that person who hurt us. So how do we move day by day by taking that posture of repenting and you know, allowing God to constantly chase us with his unfailing love? That's a really great question. And before I answer, I want to just, or to answer the question, I want to um, add on to what you had mentioned that repentance, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's not you did it today and you don't do it tomorrow. Sometimes you, for me, I'm, I'm going to keep using myself as an example. I repent four times a day and it, get, it frustrates me, right? Because I'm like, God, we've been here before. <laughs> Why am I still doing this, right? And so I just want to give a couple of scriptures to, for you to understand sort of the need for repentance human beings repent why why we as humans i'm sorry um are constantly need to continually ask the holy spirit um god in us to to highlight and show us right um the things that might not be right in us so isaiah 53 68 says all we all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way um and then 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, for who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? And this is why I was saying, how do you even know you have to repent, right? It's the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit I will keep tug and telling you. And then 1 John 1.8-10 to 10 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, right? And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And so... Um, like you mentioned, so I just wanted to give that preface where we are naturally, after the fall, after Adam um, and Eve sinned, correct, we became sinners. And we don't, um, we, we, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Does that make sense? Because that's innately in our, in our DNA. But once, obviously, you come to Christ, it's no longer you. 
Um, it's the spirit that is working in you. And so, however, there are some unconscious sins, just unconscious things in us, and even consciously, right, where you fall. We all fall. We're human beings. Your flesh takes over versus your spirit. But one thing I would say for believers is you're repenting. Why are you doing what you're doing? And that's why I always want to start with the why. What is the why? Why are we even talking about this? And one of the big things is to maintain and keep your relationship with the Lord, the intimacy with the Lord, to continue to grow, to continue to know more of the Lord. You have to understand that God um, is holy, right? He's He's, and, and even this word holy, I find it so hard to really explain what that means, but he's so holy and perfect. Does that make sense? That for us to have a relationship with him, um, like he's love, but he's also a judge, right? Just. So if the Bible has said the wages of sin is death, and if the Lord says, I don't want sin, you have to, you can't, you can't take God's love and say, oh, because he loves me. No, he has to stay true. To, this is what I'm trying to say. God has to stay true to his character. And part of his character is once you have Christ in you, you start to reflect Jesus Christ's character. And because the Holy Spirit lives within you, you cannot do the things you used to do because then you start to feel um, uncomfortable, right? And so because you are no longer the person living in your body, even though you are still in your body. You have to understand that it's a spirit that lives. You, unfortunately, when you do things that are incorrect or not in line with God, you start to feel either the Holy Spirit is, is nudging you. And, and I back up to say, even those people who don't want to repent, they know they've done wrong because the Holy Spirit is telling them, right? You're just forcing yourself to disobey. And so as long as you have the Holy Spirit within you, he's going to convict you. And if you don't obey, you will not have a close relationship with the Lord. So for me, the question is, do you want to maintain your relationship with God? That's the question for the viewers. And that's your why. Why am I repenting? Because the same way your father and earthly mother would discipline you and tell you what you did was wrong. You either go back and, and apologize to them or you, you change your ways as long as you're living under their roof, right? Or as long as you want to love them, you change your ways. That's the same way. This is, I use the analogy of parents. And if, you, if um, some of your viewers also have kids, they will understand this more as being parents. But if you don't have kids, use your own relationship with your father and mother. That's the same relationship with the Lord. But it's actually even, um, the Lord loves you more than your parents. So I'm using that analogy to help people understand more. It's the same way you hurt your parents, you have to repent, or you have to say sorry. It's the same way you hurt the Lord, and you have to say sorry. But the biggest why for believers is you have to, to maintain and keep your relationship with the Lord, and also to avoid punishment, but also to become more like Jesus. So the, as you repent, as the Lord tells you what you did was wrong, he, he doesn't just tell you what you did was wrong, he shows you right? The way to go. So he says, unforgiveness is wrong. Allow me. He shows me how to forgive because one, his commandment is forgiveness. And I, I, I say that I, I want to bring up the Bible because I, for me in the past, I felt like some things the Lord said in his word were optional and they are not optional. <laughs> they are commandments, meaning you have to do it as long as you say you love the Lord. And in first John, he says, um, if you love me, you obey your commandment. My, sorry, not your, my commandments, I'm sorry. And that's a way you can, you, you, you know, you love the Lord, you obey his commandments. And so, um, 
if the Lord says you have to forgive, which Matthew 6 says um, you have to forgive, if you want me to forgive you, you also have to forgive others, um, then it's not a choice for me, right? And so if I disobey that, I need to repent from that. And But when the Lord highlights to me that I have disobeyed him, he shows me through his word how to obey. Obedi- sorry, how to obey and how to forgive. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. You choose to forgive, but then the Lord works in you to heal your heart. Does that make sense? So first you obey his word and then he helps you, guide you to how to be more like Jesus in that um, area. You know, this life journey it's all about choices. As you've said, mm-hmm. forgiveness is a choice. Obeying is a choice. And, um, you know, I'm wanting to have an intimate relationship with God is a choice. And also for the non-believers, if they want to turn from the worldly, worldly ways and to God, mm-hmm. it's a choice. So with mm-hmm. that in mind, where do you see yourself in the next mm-hmm. 10 years, 20 years? It's very interesting. If you asked me this last year, my, my response will have been different. But as of this year, as of just everything has occurred, in the next 10 years, what I see myself doing right now is sort of what my bio, when you introduce me, is telling individuals, everyone about the good news um, because the good news, you know, Jesus has transformed my life. And I want to ensure that everyone has that opportunity. So my goal in life as a Christ ambassador as someone who has been sent on this earth to be a physical manifestation of the kingdom of heaven on earth for all those who don't know him is to ensure that I'm continuing, continuing um, showing Christ in me. And that can come in different forms, right? But predominantly my focus in the next five to 10 years is going to the ends of the world um, like the apostles and preaching the gospel. That's the good news. That's literally how I see myself and um, or what I see myself doing. And just in terms of then tying it back and ending this, I want to, I would not do this topic or subject matter justice without um, talking about what are some things you repent from? And I'm not going to give an exhaustive list because there's so many things. But um, when we look at the Old Testament, for example, um, this was prior to Jesus coming. It was a lot of words of idolatry, right? And when we think about idolatry, typically we think about physical gods. And when I say gods, mini gods, like like, uh, um, sculptures, right? When people would have idols and sculptures. But I want to tie it to our our world today to explain what idolatry is because um a lot of us have idols and we don't even know about that and that's one of the biggest thing honestly the lord is telling us to turn away from this year um and not just this year obviously for a lifestyle but he's been harping on this year and so in order for me to really explain what idolatry means from the context of the world we live in today i'm going to go to a scripture colossians 3 5 6 where paul there's therefore put to death your members which are on the earth so what are the members what are the things you need to put to death he's talking about fornication uncleanness passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry and so 
Exodus 20, which is Old Testament, talks about carved images where God says, I'm a jealous God, right? And you should not bow down and serve them. But when you think about, you know, that word, covetousness, when Paul says it's idolatry, when you look at it today, and this is um, John, Mr. John Piper, um, he talks about this, where idolatry looks like in today's world, the activity of a human heart. So this is not a carved image anymore, right? It's more of um, what is in your heart. And it typically starts out in your heart. You crave, you want, you enjoy, but then you're now satisfied with what this one thing that has become a treasure. You treasure this more than God, right? And so idols right now in today's world is something that is loved it's either a thing that is loved, a person that is loved more than God, wanted more than God, desired more than God, treasured more than God, enjoyed more than God. It could be your girlfriend, your boyfriend. It could be your grades in school. It could be the approval of people. It could be your business. It could be technology. It could be food, right? Um, and so I just want to really, I really wanted to emphasize that it could be prayerlessness. There's yeah. so many things, right? So I just wanted to emphasize that that we should all check our hearts to see, do we treasure our boyfriends, our girlfriends, or significant our wives and mothers, or even our children more than we treasure God, right? What are those idols in our hearts that we need to turn away from? And then lastly, um, in May, um, when I was praying with the Lord, he gave me a message and I just want to say that message. And this message is a call to repentance, which is the Lord chasing after you. So it starts out by saying, the voice of the Lord is resounding. Let us heed his voice. Turn your hearts back. He is speaking loud and clear. Those who hear, heed his voice. Heed his warning. Turn your hearts back. It is time. The time has come. Those who don't know me, I would draw their hearts to me. I would draw them near me. They'll be given another chance. I'll reveal myself to them and they'll be given a chance. It is time. All men should heed my voice. Let all those who have been sleeping wake up. Wake up from your slumber. Put aside the things that have weighed you down. Put aside the things that have distracted you. Put aside the things that have stolen your attention. It is time. Wake up. Wake up. The king of glory is here. The king of glory is here. Yeah. So that's the, that's the message. He loves us so much that he's telling us to wake up and come back. And for those who don't know Jesus, um, I don't know if Muthoni, you close with that, but um, the Lord loves you. And, um, you know, Jesus died for your sin. Um, he wants you to have a close relationship with him. You don't have to fix yourself up. You're not beneath Jesus. You're not beneath the gospel. No, he wants you to come as you are. He loves you so much. There's nothing you have to do. All you have to do is repent and turn to him. And so, um, and understand that it's a journey. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, and once you make that decision, it's not, doesn't mean 
everything is rosy in your life. No, <laughs> you're still going to have to deal with this earth that is um, fallen. But the beautiful thing is that you have Jesus walking with you. And so now he's literally your bodyguard. Like, you know, when you think of bodyguards, like chasing things away, <laughs> but you will continue to have to journey through the trials and the happy moments, but knowing that there's someone who is bigger, greater than anything walking through it with you. Um, and so you don't have to live the life of, you don't have to, you know, be bound by the things you've been bound by in the past um, because now you can come to Jesus, you can come to the cross and um, lean on him because he's done it all for you. So I just wanted to also speak to those who might not know Jesus um, that, yeah, he loves you. He wants you home. There's nothing that you have done that um, makes you disqualified. There's nothing that you have done that will ever take away his love for you. He formed you, he carved you, and um, he knew everything you'd be going through. And he's just saying, please come back. I miss you, son. I miss you, daughter. I'm here. Um, so I just wanted to say that to those who don't know him. Thank you, Muthoni. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And I hope that someone out there will listen to this and not feel um, ashamed that they're still stuck in their own ways and knowing that God truly, truly loves you. And he's waiting on you to come back home, come back to him and truly experience his love for yourself not through a family member, not through a pastor, not through friends, not through your Bible group or church, but through him, he, he is calling you and I hope you'll answer that call. So until next time, thanks for listening and take care. Mm -hmm.